Welcome to episode 201 of the Food Biz Whiz podcast. This is our first guest episode of season 18, and I couldn't be more thrilled to have former Retail Ready student and founder of Nemi Snacks, Rahina Trio, with us today. So if you're not familiar with Nemi Snacks, they are colorful. They are delicious. They are Mexican snacks reinventing the landscape of Latino snack products here in the U.S., This episode is filled with founder insight and inspiration. Just wait until you hear all the wisdom that Rahina shares around navigating challenges, gaining confidence, and saying no to opportunities in her business, all while she has continued to keep her full-time job as an attorney over the past four years. So in full disclosure, you're going to hear some email pings and some text chimes in the background throughout this episode, and that's because... Even as we're recording, Rahina is balancing two jobs. So as mentioned in the show, Rahina and I talk about how she worked strategically to launch and grow her business while having this full-time job, how she did it without outside funding, and how saying no has become a superpower for her business's health. She has so much great advice for busy, up-and-coming foodpreneurs, and she just has this warm, contagious energy. I can't wait to dive into this with you. So let's get right into it. I'm Allie Ball, former grocery buyer and retail store manager turned wholesale consultant. In my role on the retail floor, I saw delicious, values-driven brands fail on our shelves simply because they didn't understand the behind the scenes of wholesale. I created the Food Biz Whiz podcast to give you hard-to-access insight from my career in the food industry and the tools and strategies to help you succeed on retail shelves. If you're a committed food founder who's looking to create and grow a packaged products business that positively impacts our food system, puts wealth back into your own hands, and employs members of your local community, you have found the right podcast. Let's do this. This episode is brought to you by Retail Ready, my online course for producers of packaged product who are looking to grow their wholesale accounts. Retail Ready is opening for enrollment very soon. Through videos, workbooks, checklists, templates, live coaching calls with me, and daily access to me and my team in our private online group, Retail Ready has all the tools that you need to increase your sales through wholesale accounts, whether that's in traditional brick and mortar outlets or through e-commerce platforms. The first step to find out more about Retail Ready is to join my free masterclass on the three steps to growing your packaged food business, which I'll link to here in today's show notes. That hour-long webinar is jam-packed with advice that you can use to kickstart your growth right now, plus information on Retail Ready, on my past clients, and how we can work together. Sign up via the link in my show notes, and I will see you there. Rahina, welcome to the Food Biz Whiz podcast. Ali, thank you so much. I can't believe I'm here talking to you. It's such a gift, and thank you so much for sharing this space with me and with the business and it's full circle because I joined Retail Ready in the fall 2019. And when you first launched your podcast later that year, I mean, I tuned in for every episode. I still (laughs) listen to it because it's, it's a very helpful podcast. But I remember thinking one day, wow, you know, like 
what would it take for me to be on Ali's podcast? Like mm-hmm. one day I'll be on Ali's podcast. So I can't believe that we're doing this right now. Um, you know, with you, I, I've learned so much from you and I really appreciate this opportunity. So thank you for sharing this space with me. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for saying yes to coming on the podcast. And thank you for listening all these years. I, I'm so, so grateful for any time I get to spend in, in founders earbuds. So um, very, very much appreciated. So usually I, I do a little bit of an intro for our guests, but you are you are best suited to tell uh, our listeners about Nemi Snacks and about yourself and your history and your, you know, your story joining the CPG industry. So I'm actually going to turn it over to you. Can you, can you kick this off by telling our listeners who don't know you, who don't know your story, who you are, what brought you into this world of snacks and what your product line is? Yes. I grew up in Mexico city and I moved to Chicago 12 years ago for law school. And I thought, I'm going to, you know, I'm just, I'm going to be a lawyer all my life. I went to law school because I wanted to be an attorney to do human rights law. And I, I thought that's what I'm going to be. And I came here. And the first thing that I did, you know, as a very proud Mexican, loving culture and, and Mexican food, I went to the grocery store to find Mexican products. And I remember going into the quote unquote ethnic aisle and yeah. seeing all these brands that were first showcasing Mexican cultura in a very stereotypical way. So a lot of sombreros, a lot of women cooking on, on, on the front of the packaging, their branding. Most of these brands were using artificial ingredients. I left there, you know, the aisle not feeling represented at all. They're thinking, this is this is maybe, you know, this is a Mexico that I've actually never known. Um, I didn't see really the vibrancy colors um, of Mexico being represented in the brands that I saw. And then I went to the produce section and I saw nopales, which is a prickly per cactus, staple crop in Mexico. You find it in every mercado. It is the most sustainable Mexican plant because it thrives in hot weather. It doesn't need water to survive. It doesn't need pesticides. It's, it has a cultural significance with Mexico. It's in our Mexican flag. It represents resilience because of its sustainability characteristics. And I got so excited because I thought nopales. I can't believe I'm seeing nopales. And I was about to grab it. And then I saw that it had spikes. And I thought... Mm. nobody's going to buy this intimidating looking vegetable unless they know how to clean it, how to cook it. So I left the store feeling unrepresented and knowing that this amazing vegetable was going to go to waste. I didn't do anything at that moment. I kept my legal career at the time. I just kept thinking, there's just so much more to do in this space. No, even, and I remember thinking, why, when we go to the, when we look at snacks, and you think about Mexican snacks, we only think of, about tortilla chips, no? And it's yeah. only tortilla chips and only tortilla chips. And I just kept working as an attorney. And a lot of it was also mindset at the time, because I didn't have a CPG background, not even a business background. I didn't think I was capable of starting a food business. I was a great consumer and I love Mexican food. But on the other, I didn't see myself as part of the other side. And then I just kept not seeing anything else, not seeing anything change. And then Fly by Jing came out. Yeah. And then I remember, you know, I, I and I tell her, you know, I've seen her at trade shows. I don't know her personally, but when I've seen her at trade shows, I always recognize you opened the door for a lot of mm. Hispanic owned, you know, 
other cultural owned brands and, and BIPOC founders, I really think that you explicitly and implicitly gave us a voice in a space where we didn't know how to exercise it. And, and that was kind of, for me, the starting point of seeing, you know what, um, I want to create a brand where I can elevate Mexican cultura mm. through high quality products with sombrero free branding. And that's how I started. In, in 2018, I started thinking a lot of, when I did immigration law, a lot of my clients were farmers that left their home countries. Mm. Mm. They were forced to leave their home countries because of predatory farming practices and they came to the U.S. So I started thinking, first of all, the values of the business, of what, what is it that I want to create? As business founders, and I think probably in, in any space, and at least in the CPG space in a food with a food business, we have an opportunity to satisfy more than a food craving. And we have a responsibility with that. So what kind of business would I like to create? So I started thinking about the values first. And then, of course, it had to be something really tasty, Mexican-inspired. You have, you know, there's so many amazing ingredients in Mexican food that you don't need artificial stuff to make it tasty. Yeah. And I started connecting with farmers in Mexico and thinking about, I want to connect with the farmers. I want to be intentional about working with Latinas and women of color. I want to see how can we help some sort of nonprofit in Chicago, probably. And that's how it started. No product yet, just mission. Okay, and so mission first. Yeah. Yes, so it was yeah. mission first, no product yet. And then I started just testing out and seeing, I want to use nopales because mm -hmm. there's so many things that we can make with those. At the moment, again, coming from total ignorance, right? At the yeah. moment, I didn't think about, wait, but, you know, I think if I start in Texas and California, when people already know nopales and they see it on the side of the street they see it that was non-existent that didn't happen at the beginning at the beginning it was only I'm going to start a business I don't know how to do it I don't have any outside capital I need to learn from somewhere yeah. I, I would yeah. like to learn how to do the basics like you know even from accounting for everything everything I, I, everything I was branding zero so I came in, I joined a local food and beverage incubator mm -hmm. in Chicago called The Hatchery. Yeah. And it was a perfect first stop to understand. There's literally a class called how to start a food business. <laughs> and that That's was great. the first class that I took. So I called my sister, who's a um, textile designer. And I was like, Anna, you have Adobe or something like that, right? Like, can we make this PowerPoint packaging on Adobe? And she was like, sure. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. So I printed out. Um, labels. I pasted yeah. them on plastic bags, front and back. I got like the FDA stuff because I knew that all my supply chain and it still is in Mexico. So yeah. I had to like get a little bit familiar with FDA, which having the legal background helped because mm, I was sure. able to navigate through the code of federal regulations and compliance stuff. So I did all that. And then I just thought, you know, these are the flavors. I, I read some like mental reports on consumer packaged goods. Mm -hmm trends I talked to a few brands I'm an observer so I was you know kind of looking into oh so there's a reason why all these brands are doing this but then always with this questioning of how can we do it different in a way that is unique but doesn't necessarily feel totally new to the consumer mm -hmm. right because in the end I had to be very careful and I didn't do a very good job at the beginning of not bringing like all that newness or innovation to the consumer so Got the packaging, 
smuggled snacks in my bag from Mexico at first. <laughs> and I just started sharing them with the people that I thought who would be my consumer, which were not at the end. And then I started, I just launched in, in May, 2019, DIY branding, yeah. DIY website, Shopify, you know, just got a template on Shopify, got some photos that I took with my iPhone. And that's how I started. Yeah. Um, I remember, I remember your very first yeah. packaging line and the, with the clear bags and the hand labeled front okay. and back. And, and, you know, I'm going to give you a lot of credit because it was, it was pretty good. It was pretty good for a completely DIY version. Thank you. It you know, I think it was sellable at the time yeah. in a very in a small niche, no? Mm, it mm. was something where I could I was okay about putting out there. I knew it wasn't perfect. I knew 100% yeah. I wasn't totally, you know, proud of it, but I knew that I had to start with something and I needed yeah. data if I wanted to improve whatever I was doing. And yeah. it was data from yes. my consumer. I needed to get out there and start doing demos and see what people were saying, because that was also, it was not only about the flavor, but it was about when you see the packaging, what are you seeing? Right. What's important to you? And these were very specific questions that I asked. So I started with email marketing early yep. on because yes. that was my real estate and it still is in a way, but it was, how can I connect my, my main thing was again, from not knowing a lot of it, but my main thing was how can I connect with the consumer? Yeah. How can I connect with a buyer? How can I know what they're looking for? How can I improve on what I'm doing? And just take it from there. There's a lot of uncertainty with entrepreneurship, as you know. But I think since the beginning, I had just, I, I, I had clarity around what is it that I need to do to get mm -hmm. to that second step and eventually just continue going up that ladder. And that's how I started. You know, I started, and I always tell people it's not, there's so much fear when yeah. we start. There's so much fear. And I think, you know, as, as Latinas and as women more of all these self-imposed limitations that we could, you would just keep working around and just keep unlearning and relearning and reprogramming because a lot of growth is mindset um, and how to get there. And it, there was a lot of that I call entrepreneurship the catwalk of insecurities because <laughs> everything comes out, no? Yeah. You know, this thing that you put under the rug 10 years ago oh 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 it will show up it will yep. come out so it, that is why it's such a fascinating journey because it's a constant learning process and to me at the beginning and it still is and it hopefully it will just continue being how can I just continue learning and improving and making something better and with that I don't mean perfection because I I'm a recovered perfectionist and I've been very intentional about everything that I have to do to recover. Mm -hmm. And NEMI has been a great um, journey for that. So how can I just keep learning? And I came to Retail Ready as a result of that. And I always keep, and I continue recommending Retail Ready because you gave me structure when I didn't have any. And that I didn't have any because I didn't know it. And I wanted to know. So I think you, it was really that first second step of, oh, so this is how I communicate with buyers. So this is what I need to have on the back end so that I can show up professionally and prepared when I'm talking to buyers and when I'm getting into stores. And then, you know, after that, a year and a half later, I got into the Target Accelerator and yeah. I rebranded 
And the target accelerator was, they were amazing when it came to providing feedback to the brand, the rebrand that I was working on. And pretty much that whole year and a half, two years of just getting data from everything. It was about, you know, the text, the colors. Um, We went through 12 different drafts when I worked with the um, Mexican designers that did the rebrand. I I worked with a copyright person. I think an important part of entrepreneurship is learning your personal limitations. I am not a native English speaker. The way that I was communicating to my consumer, it wasn't the way my consumer talked. Mm. And I just, I, you know, it's a limitation and it's okay, but it's okay. Then how can I just work around this? So I, I, I worked with a copywriter. She's amazing. And just really getting that soul of the brand that, you know, I, I speak in Spanglish. The brand speaks in Spanglish too, yeah. because that's, that's just who we are. But how can I just connect in a more authentic, direct way to my consumer? And and it's been four, you know four years later. We're we're still here. We're we grow year to year. Still no outside investment, and that's a decision that I've yeah. made since the beginning. Uh, growing with or without outside investment, it's a choice, and I didn't know that at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I would love for people to know that it is a choice yeah. with different details that go into that choice. But I think really um, just knowing the learning process along the yeah. way. And it, a never-ending learning process. So uh, I think, you know, I kind of derailed to a lot of different areas here with that first question originally, but really, again, the the mission of Nemi Snacks was to elevate Mexican cultura. Our first product is crunchy cactus sticks, and it's, we only use real ingredients. We use Mercado fresh spices. We work directly with farmers. We actually, there's... There's a lot more work to do, right? Like I always, always things to do with, with the farmers that we work with. Some of them have regenerative farms and there's just so much to do in the supply chain that I'm very excited about my upcoming full-time transition that I will be. We'll talk about that in a, we'll talk about that in a second, but I mean, one of the things that I, I just kept thinking about as, as you were speaking here is your curiosity mm-hmm. is so clear. It's, it's clear that you are curious about your consumer. You're yes. curious about yourself and your skills and your limitations. You're curious about Mexican culture in America and how yes. Americans accept and perceive your culture. Yes. You're curious about changing supply chains and regenerative farming. I mean, there's just so much that you are curious about. And I am, I am certain that that has impacted your ability to succeed in this industry. Oh yeah. I, yes, 100%. And I think with that curiosity comes, because that curiosity expands to, as you said, to a lot of different areas. Hmm. I cannot talk about I, I don't think you can isolate growing a business without growing personally. Yeah. I cannot, yes. I cannot, maybe there is a way, but I cannot do it because that hasn't been my path. And I don't see how can that be? Because there is that curiosity of wait, why didn't I achieve this or why didn't I hit this goal? Right. Okay, so let's look at the details. I didn't because I 
didn't know how to do it because I didn't organize correctly, because I didn't prioritize, because I don't have outside funding. Or I also did it because I'm, I'm afraid to grow, because I am afraid to be more vocal about this, because I think it's just there's such a connection. Again, going to that mindset and personal work and self-care. Yeah. One of the first things that I recommend when somebody tells me what what do you think should be in place before starting a business? Make sure you have a self-care routine yeah. because it takes a lot and it's a choice, but make sure that you find a way to stay centered Yeah, and to have that honest conversation with yourself. Some people ask me, how can you have a full-time business and a job? I mean, yeah. and, a, and a business. Yeah. Yeah. It's challenging. I don't recommend it. I don't think think it's for everyone. And I don't think anyone should feel. And let's just, let's just highlight this here just to make sure our listeners understand that this entire time you have had your job as an attorney and you have been for the past four years and launching, growing your snack business. Yes. So when I first, this whole time, yes, this whole time, I, I, I just, resigned. So yes. starting in two weeks, June 30th, yeah. I will transition NEMI full-time oh, for the first time. Congratulations. And, and at the beginning, thank you. Thank you. It's, I, I cannot believe this is happening because I dreamt about this. I worked towards this and I cannot believe that it's happening right now. And I'm very grateful that I'm, that I'm able to do this. When I first started the business, I didn't even conceive about leaving my full-time job because mm. again, I started with zero understanding of the business and it was an experiment and it still is in a way because we're still testing so many things. And I think hopefully it'll, it'll, you know, it's a never ending testing process when you grow your business and you, you keep on that path. But it was that initial test of let's see how this goes. Let's see who's interested in Emmy. And a lot of, how do you say in English, hitting darts without aiming how do you say Mm. like yeah like throwing spaghetti against the wall yeah at the beginning it was all that yes and I didn't conceive about leaving my full-time job and I honestly really liked my full-time job I work Mm. at a nonprofit, and we do human rights work in the U.S. and internationally and as I said I you know some people tell me oh of course you're an attorney you want to leave your job no that's not my case yeah I I love what I do and did professionally. And I, I think I will continue figuring out ways to do that with a business too, in, in, in a way, but yes, I have, I've had my full-time job for four years and it hasn't been easy. And I actually don't talk about it that much because I don't like to glamorize overworking. Right. That hustle culture, right? Exactly. I don't, um, but how did you do it? So like, because I think a lot of our listeners start their CPG businesses on the side, just like you did, right? Yes. Full-time job. The job helps them in many ways, actually. There are many advantages to starting a CPG business while you keep yes. your full-time job. Cool. There are yes. pros and cons, right? We can talk about that. But how, so how did you do it? I mean, having a full-time attorney job, gosh, we've all heard the stories, you know, 60, 70, 80, 100 hour work weeks and starting a business. What are your, what are your secrets to prioritizing it all? Well, first, I love that you use the word prioritizing and not balance. 
because I think balance is non-existent and it's so subjective and it's, it's defined in different ways by different people. I never, I don't strive for balance. I strive for prioritizing. That's exactly what I've been working on. And my, the main reason why I was able to do it was because I early on learned how to ask for help okay. in different ways. So it was one, I have my full-time job. I have this amount of time. How can I do it? Yeah. So how can I, how can I prioritize? Okay. So, and I, I go back to retail ready. You mm-hmm. help me organize. I bought the food biz with planner. Yeah. Yes. And I worked on my goals yes. and then I, those goals, like that was really my first intro of goal setting for the business. Cause I had done mm. it personally. I did it at my job, but it's different when you're experiencing with your, with your business. Yeah. And again, because I didn't have that business background, I, I wanted to learn how to do it. So that was kind of my first starting point or, okay, so if I choose these three things that I'm going to focus on today, yeah, what are those three main things? And then what is just noise? And then you test that out and then you see what worked and what didn't. Okay, so really the return of investment for these two things is zero yes. or it's just me fooling around. This is actually what works. So this is actually what works. Then I'm going to invest a little bit more time into this Mm -hmm. or strategizing was really hard because I think when it comes to strategizing, I needed like those full four hours. So I started doing a lot of like really full mental work Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah. Right. Because that like two hours or let's say 15 minutes on in between clients, or I imagine like two hours, like in the evening after you've had a really long day, like that's not the time to do that, like deep mental strategy work. Right. Exactly. And I think that that forced me to have more honest conversations with myself. And I still ask myself this question of, am I at the capacity where I can take the growth and stress that this decision represents? That's Mm -hmm. also why I'd never fundraised. Right. That's also okay. why I was, you know, this is my reality. I have the business. I have a full-time job. I don't have children by choice. Mm-hmm. I have a partner. So I, you know, I have a personal life that I care about and I want to invest time in as well. But what are my opportunities if I don't fundraise? Because I know the amount of time from what people say and what I've read and I've heard that it takes. It's a full-time job as well. So yeah. What is it that I have the capacity for and that I'm the trade of that I'm willing to take and to do? So I sacrificed slow growth yep. at, for not having outside and then growing as a result of sales since the beginning. I knew that I had to have really good margins. So since the beginning, yep. I've had that. Yep. And then grants. I'm always, always looking like a- any grant that I see that I'm eligible for, I apply. You're applying. Mm-hmm. I apply. No. And yeah. then. The also the the a very constant question is how can I make this easier? How can I make these faster, easier, not sloppy or mediocre, just right. more consistent so that it becomes a process, right? So from you know drafting emails, yeah. and again, retail ready helped me to 
drafting emails for buyers, email number yeah. one, email number two, right. email number three. Templatize it and all of that. Right. Yeah. How can I just synthesize? How can I communicate better too, right? Like how can I communicate more efficient? How can I make growth more efficient and sustainable mm. considering my thir- my circumstances? I've never seen not having outside funding as a limitation. Mm-mm. Never. Mm-mm. It's just a choice of doing it differently. And what are the opportunities in that choice? We have to be more creative, right? So my consumer can help me with that, right? Yeah. How, right? How can I ask other brands to help out? How can we do cross marketing? How can we just share knowledge and information? So we, you know, all these female founders and 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 like CPG founders that we started kind of getting together to share information. You know, it was all about how can I continue growing while feeling supported, and with that, I don't only mean outside myself. Right. How you said, yeah, you said the word capacity, which I thought was such a key one, right? Recognizing what your capacity is and your capacity to make decisions, to take on projects, to do different things. I just, I felt like that, that was such a key way to say it, but you know, for our listeners, I feel like you just rattled off like 50 questions that you ask yourself as you you think about your role, as you think about your company, as you think about your growth, one, I'll say, listeners, press pause and rewind and go back and write down all those questions because they are filled. <laughs> yeah, they, those are gold. But Rahina, how did, how did you learn to ask yourself these questions? Where did that come from? From being very afraid about asking them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we we think of these successful people. And I think about, I remember at the beginning, I was thinking about, okay, so who can I look up to? I think it's difficult. And I always, you know, part of this journey is also this, this amazing opportunity and responsibility of, of us a Latina. Mm. You cannot be what you can't see. Yeah. Right. We have to see what we can do for a certain period of time so that we can believe that we can be that that we can follow that path or we can ride along that path. And when I started, I remember just not seeing that in the industry. And a lot of it was, I remember my first pitch, it was embarrassing. And I knew it was going to be embarrassing. It was (laughs) and it's somewhere, always somewhere in YouTube. And I knew that I was unprepared, not because I didn't prepare myself to do it, but because I didn't know how to do it, mm. which are two different things, right? Yes. I think you know yes. what you know, and you prepare yourself with what you know and the resources that you have. I did what I could with what I had at that moment. Yes. yes. And I remember feeling, knowing that I was probably going to embarrass myself. I knew that. I, I came with that feeling of, Oof. but... I have to do it. I want to do it. I have to do it. This is part of the learning process. And you have to be comfortable in, with being uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think that's resilience. And something that entrepreneurship has is that buildup of resilience, resilience, mm-hmm. resilience. And you do that through action. And I think it's this constant conversation with fear of, yes, I am afraid. I don't know how to do it, but I'm still going to do it. Right. Because that, you know, fear is a never ending companion. It's an always present companion and that's okay, but let's 
let's work together. And I, it was in Zoom and I did it. And I remember, and then the judges questions came up and I remember thinking, oh my God, I just talked and talked. Pero the, wor- the, the worst answer, Sally. <laughs> and that's, you know, I look back and I remember thinking, yes, I made a fool of myself. But now <laughs> I wrote down all the questions that they asked right. and I saw what they asked to the other um, brands. So now I know more. Right. And now I can do it better. Oh, what and, a great attitude to have. I mean, we can laugh about it now. I'm sure it was a bit embarrassing at the time, but just to have that mindset of, of it being a growth, a learning and growth opportunity for you. Yes. And a lot of it is, I'm afraid to ask this question. Ask it. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. exactly that little space of, I feel uncomfortable about doing this. Do it because yeah. you can probably, you can't probably do it. It's just a self-imposed limitation. It's a, it's just your imagination. Yeah. And it was this click that I had at the beginning of, if I can imagine all of these things, why can't I do them? Yeah. Because I'm afraid of asking, because I'm afraid of doing, because I think that I, I don't know enough, because I think that I'm not capable of, because I think in the end that I am not enough. Right. So how can I change that? And it takes little small actions of, I'm afraid to contact this buyer. Just send that email. Right. Just send that email. What happens? Nothing. The no is already there. Right. Right. The no is already there. What does it take to get to the yes, to get to the, how can I make this idea in that's in my head tangible? And how can I make that a reality? And we always say, you know, we, we, we see the success. We see the, oh, this company is so successful. This person is so successful. The process. I'm very intentional about talking about the process because it is very challenging. Again, it's not for everyone. You are your best cheerleader. You wake up every morning and you tell yourself everything that you can do and all the things that can happen. And you need to repeat that to yourself until you believe it. We're such creatures of habit. And if I tricked my brain to believe I'm not capable, what if I use a different narrative so that I can then go to that place where I want to be and where I need to be to continue growing. So a lot of it has been mindset tricks, no? In a way, you when I think how are you not afraid? No, 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 no. You are afraid. Right. You just keep going with your fear. Yes. Yes. I mean, there's a reason why I did my coaching certification two years ago, because I was like, founders are getting stuck on the mindset piece. Yeah. And you know, it it can feel so like woo-woo and so like, you know, um, I don't can feel so disconnected from business, but I you are such an example here of how it is so connected to a successful business or so connected to an unsuccessful business. You know, you can go either way here, your positive or your negative mindset, and it really impacts the business. Yes. And okay. I think, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh. Uh, <laughs> no, just something that is also recurrent. And I think we don't yeah. talk about much is yes. You have to be very passionate when you have a business. Yep. Passion is what keeps you going. Sometimes it's the only thing that keeps you going because 
we hear it all the time, the lowest of the lows and the highest of the highs mm -hmm. in this journey. But passion has two legs and that's called discipline. And passion doesn't go anywhere without discipline. Mm. And there's a discipline to yes, right? To I want to do this, your growth strategy, look at your cash flow. Can you do this? Can you not? What does it take? What's the return? And there's a discipline to know. Yeah. Is it the time to do this? These are the consequences of that decision. If you go for that, can you do that? Do you have the capacity to do that right now? Do you want to do that right now? We glamorize yes so mm. much. I think it's part of the hustle culture too. Say oh, yes to everything. Say absolutely. Like and, I'm a yes, I'm a yes girl. Like I'm a yes person. Like yes. I'm open for anything. It's a yes. Yeah. There's yes, so much. Yeah, it's glamorized. You're right. It's I mean, I can tell you that I'm a I'm a yes sayer too, as in to life and open to life. Right. And, sure. But what are your I what's the name for it in English? Your unmovables. Mm, yeah, are, right? your non-negotiables. Exactly. Non-negotiables. Non-negotiables. And if that, you know, if there is a trade-off for that that you can bear for a certain amount of time, and maybe, you know, I go back to outside funding mm -hmm. where I just didn't have the capacity yeah. to do it. And, and it didn't come as an easy decision. I knew Right. Like and, and then also because you see all these brands that are growing faster or doing, quote unquote, better or mm -hmm. doing or having more sales or. Yeah. But then, you know, and you question yourself. It's a constant questioning process of am I doing it right? Is it mm -hmm. is it that I'm not doing this out of strategy and or is it only just, you know, like my fear playing playing here mm -hmm. again? Mm -hmm. um, but having that discipline of, at least in my case, every decision that we've made for the business goes hand in hand with cash flow. Yeah. Okay. And that's been really helpful because it's it's been really the backbone that I've needed because you need data, no? And then right. you know, and the, your numbers are your numbers. And that's that that's a fact. And I think it really was, in my case, really the backbone to see how can I do it. And how far can I go with this model? Yeah. The yeah. negative. Keep going. No, I think the 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 not, I mean, maybe not the negative, but just the the consideration has been also that for the past four years, a lot of my decision making has come from scarcity of mm -hmm. not having enough time of I only have two hours to do this. I have my full time, right? Like I think having a full time gives you a lot of good things. Yep. But then there's also this learning process of you're, you're reacting. It's a constant reaction, reaction, reaction. And you have to be very intentional to think more about strategy and again, knowing what you don't know. And I think that also helped me ask for more help of joining um, groups where there are advisors involved yeah. or just reaching out to a lot of founders that I respect and admire. And, and these are cold emails, right? Like these is right. not necessarily like I went through this process. No, no, no. Just like cold call selling, you know, I really admire how you've done it. I know that you grew the business without outside funding. This is my case. 
how did you do A, B, and C? Because I'm struggling with that. Most people respond. Most people, when you ask the right questions, are willing to help you. Yeah. Well, even in in your sharing this, I see you being so considerate about the ask and being so considerate about that person's time instead of saying, you know, hi, Sandra, I want to pick your brain over coffee. Can we meet on Zoom next week? You are saying, hey, I've been watching you. I know this about your brand. I did this research and here I have these three questions. Can you help me? Yes. Can you help me? How do I do this? Or how can I, and and I think something you touched on at the beginning, and you talk about this on on retail ready too, about investing in yourself. Mm, Yeah. And really investing in yourself as in, you know, maybe, you know, I have this business that I've been growing and now I have a small team but I don't know how to be a leader right. or I've never done this. I don't know how to manage this and that. So again, and I think I go back to this curiosity and constant, constant learning process of how can you, how can we do it better and how can we do it in a way that's aligned to the mission of the business and to the growth trajectory mm-hmm. that I'm choosing to take. But ha- let me ask this. How do you say no when you feel obligation? So I I can give you an example of that. Yeah, yeah. Because I think our listeners are are probably like, okay, yes, like I'm I hear you, I love your message of saying no, but you know, uh Gilson's wants me to do a free fill and I'm up against the wall. I have to do a free fill in order yeah. to get in that chain or yeah. I have to, I have to go to my parents' house for Christmas yeah. because that's what we always do. <laughs> right? Like, how do you say no? How, what, tell, tell our listeners how you've really given yourself this gift of saying no. Yeah. So I'll give you two examples. Yeah. And and these are a little bit different, but are related to your question and the industry. Mm -hmm. The first one is about free fills, right? So let me backtrack a little bit just to give also again of the strategy that we've had. For the past four years, I've only sold in alternative channels. Yeah. Alternative channels as in independent grocery store, co-ops, small coffee shops, some restaurants. I do a little bit of food service too. Grocery stores that have, you know, chains, regional chains Mm -hmm. from 10 stores to 100 stores in a region. That's been my growth strategy. Yeah. For several reasons, right? Um, And it's been working well so far. That, when that gave me also the space to see that almost everything is negotiable. Yeah. Because yes. It's a it's such a connection that you can do with the buyers and your consumer when you're selling in the smaller spaces, it's more of a personal, right, connection. And that also gave me a lot of understanding of that first encounter with the buyers and how first to do it. Mm-hmm. I w- when I started again, right? Like I, I didn't envision Costco at the beginning or like these bigger brands because um, I wasn't there and I was here for the long run. And I knew that there were a lot of things that I wanted to understand first, not only about 
about everything, the supply chain operations, everything in the in the business. And I think we forget that, again, you can ask for whatever you want. Right. Everything's negotiable. You don't right? know what you're getting. Yeah. They could say no. A they lot could of say things, no. A lot of things have not happened because we have never asked. Mm-hmm. Or because we haven't connected with other brands and we haven't put in the pressure. You know, I, I think about organizing. Yeah. We haven't put in the pressure to, oh, it's just the way it is. Oh, really? It's actually, it's predatory. Yeah. But it's the way it is. Okay. It's the way it is. How, how, what's the space so that we can do it differently? Because yeah. there is that leverage. There always is. And again, you have to be creative and you have to be curious. Mm-hmm. But don't, there's nothing static about the CPG industry. In It's, it's constantly changing. It's constantly yeah. evolving. We are. It should continue evolving. Because if it doesn't evolve, there's no progress. Right. It needs to evolve. It needs to continue evolving. To. But I think always thinking of how far can you go with what you can ask? Ask for it. And maybe we don't do the free fill, but I can give you a 50% off. Yeah. Or maybe we can do this promotion. Or maybe we can do this in a different way. Or maybe, you know, everything. And it's not. And I will share with you the information and why I'm asking for this, because I think that's also important. It's not just like, oh, can I just do it for free? Right. Or no. right. I'm telling you that I want to work with you. I really care about this relationship. I want to make sure it's successful. Yeah. This is what I can do in this amount of time. This is what I cannot do, because if I do it, it's not going to be successful for you or for me. Right. You so are I speaking. Think- you are speaking my language here. You are like saying my like absolute favorite things to hear out of founders mouths. It makes me so happy to hear you be on, uh, say say these words. We forget about, you know, again, we have an opportunity to satisfy more than a food craving. We can create the change that we want to see wherever we are, however we want to do that. How can you start? Where can you start? And it's that negotiation too, because I'm not only doing it for myself. I'm no. doing it for my compañeras, you know, my the other brands, mm-hmm. and we're working towards a very similar goal. Yeah. And that takes me to example number two, where, and it actually happened at the end of last year, where a, a big brand reached out and they wanted NEMI. And it's a brand that I, I mean, I look up to and it's like a... Mm-hmm. A dream brand um, retailer. A, a dream retailer, yeah. A dream retailer. And so, you know, they called me, they asked for a line item review, line review. I didn't really have one. I was like, sure, when? Tomorrow? Sure. So <laughs> I asked for like I asked for help with other brands yeah. that I knew. And I was like, hey, yeah. I worked on this. What am I missing? What do I yes. need to include? So I did it. And my suggestion was, again, looking at my cash flow, thinking I can only do 50 stores. Yeah. So this is the reason why I can only do 50 stores. This is, this is where most of my consumers are. So I suggest this location and this location. Mm-hmm. And they came back to me saying, you know, let's do, we, we, we want to do 350. Mm-hmm. And I said, I can't do that. Yeah. And I explained why, again, of, of saying, if I do that, and I looked at my numbers, Ali, 
if I had done that, it would have put me out of business. Yeah. Isn't that wild to think about? Right. And so many brands are like, I just need more sales. I just need more sales. No, if you're losing money off every sale, you don't need more sales. That's losing more money. Exactly. So I, you know, I think, and that's why I say there's a discipline to saying no, because it's a process. It's looking at your numbers, looking at your growth strategy. What is it again? Do you have the capacity to deal with that growth and stress that comes with that growth? Yeah. And look at your numbers and see if that's doable. And so I ended up saying it's not the right time at yeah. the moment. We'll make this happen. We'll work towards making that happen. But it's just not something that I can do it right now. And it felt right. counterintuitive. And I felt yeah. obligated to say yes, because it's like, you know, this constant of wait, but is this a once in a lifetime opportunity? Mm-hmm. I say yes, and I'll figure it out later. Yes, we do that. We do that all the time. Yeah. But there's a, I mean, there's moments, no? And, and for some things, you know, be honest with yourself. Have that honest conversation of, is this a decision that you're making based on, a, you know, validation, recognition, ego? ego? Exacto, exacto, ego, no? Or... Is it something that's really that is going to take your business to that next step and where you want to go? Because it's not only the store, right? I think, and and you teach this really well. It's everything else. It's the marketing strategy. It's a supply chain. It's everything from point A Mm -hmm. to Z. And it's the funding that all that needs. I mean, we talk all the time and you talk all the time about it's so easy and well, not easy, but it's easier to get on the shelf. Mm-hmm. The really the work and the challenge is when people recognize you and they get take you off the shelf. So yeah, there is a process to look at that scenario and decide yes yeah. or no. And both are as valid. I think you are your own unique, authentic. And when I say you, I mean the business. What is it that your business needs to continue growing in a sustainable and in a scalable way? Mm-hmm. And it's a individual journey and it's a choice, not because my the person or the brand next to me is doing it in a certain way. You have to do it that way. No, no, no. Mm. You are so wise. Ayali. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I don't feel you that way. Feel like, you are wise. Thank you. But um, it's it's such a fascinating learning process, and I can't. I never. I can never talk about entrepreneurship without that word. Without the you know the learning because yeah. it's a constant, and it's a constant. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of things that I didn't do right at the beginning. The, of course. The yeah. Bookkeeping company that I work with right now. And I always tell her to, it's called my pocket CFO. I think you've heard oh, of it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. She I, came into retail ready and was an industry expert for us. Yeah. Yeah. Alice. yeah. And I always tell her, Alice, I wish I'd, I'd known you in 2019. Yeah. I honestly wish I had a better understanding and better organization of my numbers. Probably I would have made a different decision better. I don't know, but probably, different. you know, different. Yeah. And there's just these little things that I, I I just recommend. I think if you're gonna start a business, figure out a way if it's not if it's not your strength as it wasn't mine, the finance side, 
to have someone who can help you. Either a process, invest on it too, because I think at the beginning and with no outside, you are, you're so cautious with funding, right? And you, yes, there's no, you don't have this pressure of constant spending and spending and spending and spending, which I actually don't align with that process without form. It's a way of doing it. It's not the only way, but just keep asking questions. If it's not the right question, it doesn't matter. That information, that process will take you to the right question and information that you need, but just keep going, whatever that means for you, however Mm -hmm. fast you want to do it, just keep going. Mm. I've got one last question for you. And for our listeners who are like trying to scramble to write down Alice's name, we'll put my pocket CFO in our show notes. So folks who are looking for bookkeepers, we'll make sure to link you up with Alice, but Tell me, I want to end, I've got two, two last questions for you. One's a super easy one. So I'll ask that first. How can people find you and stay in touch with you? Tell us that. And then the bigger one is what is next for Nemi Snacks? Yes. So people can email me or DM me. I don't do my social media, but I do check. I mean, I will, the DMs will go to me if they're for me. It's at Nemi Snacks. And then my email is hola, H-O-L-A, at nemi-native.com. I will read your email if you're interested. If there's anything that I can help with, I'm more than happy and willing because so many people have helped me uh, and, and will still help me with in, in my journey. So it's, it's the least that I can do to return that favor and just that privilege that has come with the resources that I've received so far. And then what's next? Well, first, my short-term step, and it's been my dream and my goal for the past two years, is being full-time in NEMI. Yeah. I feel like I am just starting. I just, I am so happy, and I feel just expanded to be able to fully immerse and be present in the business. Yeah. Two weeks from now, right? Two weeks from now will be your... Last yes. day, stepping away from your career as an attorney and coming yes. full time. Wow. And being full time. That is huge. Okay. So that's yes. a big next step for you. Yes, Oof. it is. It is. I mean, and again, I had like four months of working with the fear around that and the yeah. letting go process and so many things also to make peace with. But I'm very excited about that. We are um, working on a seasonal. We are working on a new product. We are working on just continue going into more alternative channels. There's so much opportunity around there. Um, and then working also on our fundraising strategy that yeah, okay. I want to do. So that's going to be part of at the end of this year, 2024, on getting just this next business that I I cannot wait. And as I said, I just feel like I am starting the business in yeah. a way. You so are starting in a yeah. way you are. Way you are you are starting, you are starting this next stage of the business. Yes. Yes. Oh. And I I am really excited and I cannot wait. Um and it's surreal. Honestly, I I, I cannot believe 
that I am now going to be able to to jump into full time. I mean, I I have a safety net in the sense that I have a small team at NEMI and there is a process that now works and I'm not starting from zero. And I don't know, I know, like I not even envisioned four years ago to do it full time. That was not even something that I, an idea that I flirted with. And now that it's happening with a business that that is is going and growing, I just cannot believe the opportunities that that we have now with everything that we can do and feeling supported with a with a team that I work with. Uh, it's an amazing team that I, I fully respect and look up to. So I just cannot wait to see what's next for Nemi in this really new new stage and a new blank page that I see yeah. for them. I mean, you've put in, I just think about it this way, right? Like if you have come this far in the, you know, 15 minute increments, the four hour chunks on the Saturday of the Sunday, really like stealing the time where you could just again, like imagine what's possible when you're in there full time with a team. It's just, yes. yes. Oh, what a shift. How It's going to feel so different for you. See, see, I am very excited. And I am ready yeah. too. You know, I am. I am ready. I I didn't do it before because I wasn't ready. And I know that also with entrepreneurship, we all talk about. Well, you're never ready. That's true. You're never ready. Do I feel fully ready? No. But it's time, and I am ready to take that risk. I am ready mm-hmm. just for for that next step. And again, I wouldn't be able to do it without all the help that I received so far and all the resources that I received so far from grants to people that have helped me create a better financial model, a better sales strategy, a better, you know, I, I think about you. I think about Jordan Buckner from Food Bevy, mm-hmm. I think about yeah. Elia Vegan from the Tardigrade, the TIG group. I think mm-hmm. about the Target Accelerator, the DoorDash Accelerator, the Hatchery, my advisors, all these people, it's it takes a village, it takes a nation, it takes so many things. And then just know that it's your choice. Um, there's this saying of how do you say in English, going uh, two inches wide, four inches deep. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Um like uh yeah, wide or deep, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um I've chosen to go deeper yeah, and it's worked for the business. And I think it will continue working and we're going to continue working on that path. And there's no insight and there's no limitation to that. It's just working around what we want to achieve and what comes from all these, all these amazing opportunities. And we'll see where this takes us. Mm, I'm so proud of you. Ali, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's been hard. Yeah. It's been hard and it's surreal. It it goes, it's been, it's gone by so fast. And I felt lonely so many times and it's a lonely journey as a solo founder. And having this network of people, including yourself, of I DM you for questions 
yeah. sometimes. <laughs> I email you with questions. Yeah. I mean, I first met you in person at Expo this year. Yeah. Yeah. For the first time. Yeah. For the first time. We had connected virtually several times, but we had never met in person. And you you need that safety net of people that can make you question your ideas that can push you to think more creatively and even be more curious about your strategy and it's tough conversations too it's not it's not easy it's it's tough conversations it's doing things you thought were right but maybe not quite and reassessing that and it's this constant reassessment process but it's fascinating i wouldn't do it any other way i wouldn't trade myself or the the business for anything else and that's completely satisfying and i keep waking up every morning and going tonight every morning every night thinking if i die today it's perfect it's perfect it's great so we'll just keep going ah uh, thank you for thank you for all this wisdom that you've dropped on the podcast today. Thank you for the inspiration and the, the wise, wise, wise words. I'm going to go back and listen to this episode, take notes myself. Um, so much goodness in, in what you shared. Thank you for being on the podcast today. No, of course. Thank you, Ali. And I am an email away as always. Mm, great. <laughs> And thanks to our listeners. Thanks, my whizzes. This was episode 201 of the Food Biz Whiz podcast. And I, I just know how helpful, how inspirational this, this podcast will be for, for folks who are wondering how you can work full time, how you can prioritize your values, how you can think about running that, running a business that doesn't run you. So as always, let's continue the conversation here. Join me on Instagram. I'm at It's Ali Ball or on LinkedIn, both in our show notes. And I would love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. There were so many gems in this one. And I would love to hear which pieces of advice were most resonant for you as you plan your journey or your next steps in CPG. Thank you as always for listening. And I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Food Biz Whiz. If you're enjoying this podcast and the tools it gives you for growing your packaged product business, please subscribe so you never miss an episode. From one small business owner to another, I am deeply grateful for your support of this podcast, and I appreciate it when you share it with your fellow food founders, share it on social media, or leave me a review on your listening platform. Ready for more? Find out how we can work together at foodbizwiz.com. I'll see you right back here next week.